0: (laughs) Awesome.
1: Hello, friends. How are you? J.J. Cannon here with the Y Experience. I hope that y'all had a wonderful week. I sure did. I enjoyed getting together with my family and uh, getting together with some friends and celebrating over the weekend. Had a great week, too, and I'm excited about this week coming up. Uh, Today... We're going to be sharing with a friend of mine that I've known for quite a while and he started a journey 26 years ago and in those years he founded a charitable organization that is centered around helping the most vulnerable in our world. Our guest is a leader in organizing locally led mercy based provisions that uh, help with shelter and food and water and education. Uh, his his main focus is for children and women who've been rescued from orphanhood as well as possibly human trafficking. Uh, and he does this in all developing countries. Um, so I'm ex- super excited to have our guest. Something else that he's tuned into is the ability to take a picture and have the... Uh, uh, The impact of telling the story that's behind that picture, and he does it in such a graphical way, so I definitely want you to take a look at his information and his links down in our description. For all of our new viewers and listeners, I'm JJ Cannon. As I uh, stated earlier, I am a 21-year husband and a father of two beautiful girls. I'm CEO of Digital Delight, which our main focus is Smart Home Design and Installation. Uh, I also have a master's degree in getting knocked down and getting back up, and I greatly appreciate y'all tuning in. Please share, like uh, this episode, take a look at all of our other previous episodes as well. You can also listen to us on podcasts, whether it's on Anchor or iTunes or Spotify, look us up. So today, our special guest is Kirby Trapolino.
0: Hey, hey Jeremy, J.J. How are you, buddy? Yeah, good to be on the show. Thanks for having me. Nice to see you. Yeah, man.
1: You know, we we see each other several times throughout the year. Yeah. Um, I'm always fascinated by what you do when when we're not in contact. And, and you make it really easy for me to keep track of what you got going on. I mean, you have uh, quite the presence on uh, Facebook, online, on your websites, as well as on Instagram.
0: Yeah, yeah. It's been a been a fascinating journey to put uh, my photography and my stories out there and just uh, found over time people were interested in following along so it's been such a great way to share uh, what I'm seeing in my travels. And your writing in, uh, your your writing is just so impactful with what the
1: message is associated with those pictures and uh thanks, that, man. that that's tough to do on a regular basis. Yeah, I it is hard to, to keep up with. I, it. <laughs> I tried to put a story on yeah. my pictures as well. Yeah, uh, yeah. To be creative like that is something else.
0: Right. Oh thanks, man. So
1: back in ninety three, you know, you started this uh organization called Peace Gospel International. Yeah. And it's it's a mercy-based organization, mm-hmm. but what got you motivated? Like what, you know, where were you in life? Yeah, sure. You know, and what kind of got you going down this path of, you know, wanting to help?
0: Yeah, so um, I had been with a, a group that uh, takes uh, youth overseas for service projects when I was uh, 17 and uh, really loved this organization and wanted to go back when I was in college to le- go as a leader. hmm to take youth overseas and they needed some help on their India team in the summer of 93. And so I jumped on board and found myself in India and just really fell in love with the people of South India where we were stationed and uh, working on building an orphan home there with this team of 30 teenagers. Mm -hmm. And um, was just a life-changing experience. Just I'll never forget coming into India I mean, I had been a little bit to the developing world in uh, in the Western Hemisphere, but nothing like this with over a billion people and just so crowded in the cities. And uh, to experience um, what it's like in the slums and some of these urban slum colonies was just overwhelming to see kids barefoot looking through the trash, trying to, you know, salvage recyclables just to help their parents uh, put together a dollar a day was just overwhelming. And, uh, and so I met a man who was working in the slums there, and uh, he had felt called to reach out to the, to the uh, community there, and he even moved from, like, another town into the city, and uh, his name was Samson, and just connected with him and his heart, was just heart of gold, just there with his, his wife and uh, newborn child uh, serving in the slums, and I just was like, I've got to do something to help this guy, because there's obviously a need And they just need some logistical support and some funds. And so we just... Struck up a great friendship and brotherhood there, and uh, that's kind of that, that was sort of the the catalyst and sort of the genesis of of how Peace Gospel got started.
1: So, in your youth and, and in traveling and volunteering with uh, with organization or an organization, you were able to go over there and experience it for yourself, and
0: exactly, and yeah. it was
1: really impactful on your on your life. Had Definitely. you always been in that type of you know giving back, or was this something that was like? an awakening for you that yeah was like, you know wow, the, yeah it I was, think I found my calling
0: yeah no I, I think uh for me definitely um around the age of 17 is um had been through just a lot moving around the country and feeling a bit lost and then uh really connecting with a group at my church and just helping just find some direction for me and that in that stage of my life and uh was turned on to some of these uh overseas cross-cultural outreach opportunities mm-hmm. And um, that just that just really changed uh, the course of my life forever. It was uh, definitely very influential uh, time for me to find a way to um, plug in. So I uh, started going on some different trips to Mexico, and then. Uh, Eastern Europe and then ultimately, you know, India where really everything just, you know, changed radically for me. Mm-hmm. So um, life changing for sure. Wow.
1: Yeah. You know, you have this event and we're going to get into it a little bit more in detail here, but you have an event coming up called A Taste of Hope. And I don't right. know if y'all can see this too clearly here, but it's coming up on Thursday, May the 2nd, and it's an annual wine dinner. That y'all have yeah. uh, going on, and it is to raise resources to help benefit uh, these people that are in need. Right. And uh, people can go over to a tasteofhope.org if they want to learn right, more that's about our Right. Uh,
0: that's our event page right. um, for the annual fundraiser. So, um, so that, yeah, that, and that benefits our human trafficking response programs, which we can talk about more in a little bit, but. Um, yeah, so it, it benefits our what we call uh, our human trafficking response programs is She Has Hope. So She Has Hope is a, uh, a banner under which we house all of our human trafficking response programs from prevention to intervention, which would be rescue. Um, to rehabilitation and then ultimately restoration of these girls uh, coming out of trafficking they are able to then uh, start their own small businesses and find jobs that we're you know equipping them uh, the, with the skills that we're equipping them with so mm-hmm. um, so this annual fundraiser is all about focusing on on those um, human trafficking uh, response programs and celebrating the successes and so it's going to be a really fun event um, with uh, some master sommeliers we'll have in, uh, teaching us how to properly taste wine and uh, some fun stuff uh, around that. And uh, then, of course, just celebrating uh, all the work that we've done, celebrating now 25 years of, of doing this. So it's been, uh, been great and encouraging to see the response from the community. All right. And already see, uh, seeing so many ticket sales. and yeah, uh, last yeah. year it sold out. Yeah, yeah. last two years it sold out really quickly. And so we've got a bigger venue this year, hoping to sell that out as well. But, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, that's, that's about that.
1: That's cool. You that's know, cool. Man? You know, you mentioned something about a dollar a day. Yeah. And people, so you're saying that when you went to India, you were enlightened that people are trying to help their family eat yeah, on a dollar a day. Yeah, and that's right. I remember several years ago that you challenged yourself as well as others to mm-hmm. try to live on a dollar a day. Yeah, that's right. Tell me about that experience.
0: Yeah, so um, years ago, uh, I was visiting. I, I was actually it's a whole nother story, but I was managing a, a band and I was on the road with them, and we were uh, we were doing a show at Tulane, and um, we had these uh, house hosts or whatever where we were staying with some students and these guys were living off of something like a dollar of food a day and I just kind of tucked that in the back of my mind Um, and then after after a trip another trip to India had really challenged me um, with with some things that I was looking at um, and seeing and experiencing again in India from traveling so much to South Asia uh, I just was like I got I've got to do something that can help people um, get a, get an idea of what this is like. And for me too, just to experience it. And so I embarked in 2009 on my first challenge to live off of a dollar a day, dollar food a day. And, um, you know, very challenging to try to figure out how to make it all work. But what you do is you take $30 and you, you go to the market and you get everything you can for $30 and then figure out how to make that stretch across 30 days, Mm -hmm. 90 meals. Mm and um very eye-opening um of course you're hungry but the the other thing is that i realized uh, it was kind of a surprise is to realize how much you can do with so little and that here in the west we th- i think we we've kind of been conditioned to thinking that we need all of this food when we don't really you know and we're especially here in houston with our culture of eating out and
1: i think i spent thirty dollars on breakfast the y- other day exactly Man, it's yeah. disgusting <laughs> it's disgusting <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> yeah and it's you know it's and for me it's not I'm not doing it to try to make people feel guilty oh. or like in some sort of judgment it's or anything like that, but just just like an awareness of how we you know because then i I extrapolate and say, hey, if I can cook all these meals for a dollar a day, imagine what I could do for two dollars a day mm-hmm. you know, and then just empathizing with one aspect of their struggle and the developing world, um there's something like half the world's population lives on less than two dollars and fifty cents a day. So I mean, the statistics are are overwhelming. Um, but what's great is we can make a difference just by investing a, a little uh, a little bit of funding into organizations that are making a difference. And that's what I try to advocate for is this realization that in the developing world, the dollar goes so much further. And then in our programs, what we also try to do is pair up orphan care programs or human trafficking response programs with farmland enterprise so that they can then even further multiply the funding to create fresh ingredients that they can stock the orphan home mm-hmm. or rehabilitation home pantries with. Mm-hmm. And that makes this idea of living on a dollar a day over there even more possible because I, I then, you know, kind of hypothesize in my blogs as uh, I do these30 on30 dollars of food on, in 30 days, uh, challenges. I try to show people, hey, imagine if I had a garden full of fresh vegetables, how much more colorful and delicious my meals could be. And so that's the idea is we're growing the staples and you can get in the developing world so affordably, you know, rice and beans and flour and things you can make your staples with. But then we're growing some of our own fresh vegetables and things like that to supplement uh, the diets of these of these children and these survivors, and so um, so that's been really interesting just to see uh, how far even a dollar can stretch here in the states, mm-hmm. and then trying to get my readers and my followers to kind of um, make that realization that in the developing world how much further even they can make those basic resources stretch right. because of the economy. Uh, so so yeah, that's that's been another. Um, a uh, great tool for awareness and for me to stay focused and and uh, finding my own gratitude after you know out on day thirty one and realizing like wow what what so much plenty we have here in the west and um, trying to stay grateful and trying to stay you know aware and like realize like how much we have here and um, and that because <clears throat> I think a lot of times people. They think, oh, well, it's such a great, like, you're doing such great work. It's a great cause. I hear a lot of, like, encouraging things and people talking about how much they appreciate what we're doing. But they think, well, I, I you know, just don't, I don't know what my $10 is. For. It can really make any difference. I know you're probably looking for, like, a $1,000 or something. I'm like, no, every little bit really adds up. And so we we're constantly on a campaign to try to find small recurring donations like 10 20 25 dollars monthly mm-hmm, mm-hmm. over time can really make an impact right uh in these programs
1: that that is um incredible just to think and uh try to conceive of how to live on $30 and 30 days and that people do it on a regular basis. Right. Exactly. And yeah. and we think that it's overwhelming and in reality. I mean, honestly, we could probably tune it down for $3 a day yeah. and, and do, but, but associating the two with one another of how much less people have. I think also with your program, y'all help and educate people on how to be self sustainable.
0: Uh, with uh, don't y'all do uh, water water wells as well? And um, yeah, we have a couple of water wells and um, and different uh, programs where water is needed. But um, yeah, our main our, our focus on on trying to get uh, sustainability a, and as part of the model is it's hard to to reach full sustainability, which means they're completely uh, don't have any need of support from outside the country, um, but just the idea of trying to supplement with the gardens or the farmlands so that they don't have to be completely dependent on dependent on uh outside support mm-hmm. is one of our goals is to kind of try to get toward that s- sustainability yeah, yeah yeah so whenever you're traveling you take a lot of pictures
1: yeah and and in those pictures um, we've talked that you express what you're actually seeing or the emotions that you're going through. Mm-hmm. Tell us about some of your favorite subjects that you might have. Uh, Hope and I, we have a couple of pieces that, that you've done in the past that we bought at one of your, uh, at one of your charity events and, and we'd love right, them.
0: Right, right. And
1: um, t- tell us about that and, and the stories that, sure. that, that you associate with them.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So gosh, you know, Traveling uh, to these these program sites over the years, um, before I had a real interest or a, a discovery um, of the power of photography, it was always frustrating because back in those days, I mean, I had a little point and shoot, and we didn't have social media. We didn't have a way to easily share f- photography, so it would have to be more like one-on-one. Um and a lot of times it just wasn't even practical to share photography back in those days. So I remember having one of those
1: uh projectors that you had to develop the slides, <laughs> Right. In, yeah.
0: At least at my church and it was like Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And then We were sharing. That right. Was, <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. <laughs> that was our modern so, day Instagram. Yeah, exactly. So I think um for me it was around two thousand eleven I was an early adopter of Instagram and um started sharing some photos and i was like what are these hashtag things i don't know i'll just throw them on there and then sure enough over time um i, I kind of had the eureka moment where it was like okay instagram is not like facebook it's like it's, it's it's a way to meet people you would never otherwise meet or encounter and follow kind of almost like a, a periscope into their world And, uh, so I just started sharing, um, some of my, uh, travel photography and just started to pick up this audience and, um, found and, and really felt so happy with the idea of like, wow, people can now get a sense of what I'm experiencing. And that was very, uh, almost, you could say healing, like, Mm -hmm. because I think for many years you, you, you feel so much and you try to share that and you try to communicate that but you can't you don't really have the power to do it or at least I didn't at that time.
1: Verbal only goes so far. Yeah,
0: exactly. Mm-hmm. Um and even writing only goes so far, but a a photo tells a thousand words immediately. And uh I I was just so energized and excited about the idea of wow, people are actually tuning in and really following and and feeling what I'm fe- they're getting they're getting a, a a bit of a sensation or feeling of what I'm experiencing. And that just really energized me, and so I, um, so I, I got a better camera, started taking more photos, and sharing a lot more, and uh, started developing a following on on Instagram, and then just started getting involved in more photography events globally, even and. Um, Started getting published in some different magazines. Yeah, I um, think
1: I saw that you were published in a book by National Geographic. Yeah, right? yeah, oh, yeah. So
0: that was that was pretty fun. Um, it's a great story. I, I um, had become aware of an organization called One, the One World Play Project, and uh, uh, the story goes that um, a guy was sitting in a bar in uh, in the UK, and he he's an inventor, and he was sitting next to Sting the musician sting and um, struck struck up a conversation and this guy had shared with Sting about how he had created this virtually indestructible soccer ball and because he had traveled in the developing world and see he had seen how these kids like will make balls from anything like duct tape and just rope tied together and because you try to take a normal inflatable ball over there and it just it gets you know destroyed so quickly And uh, so he had this invention, and Sting was like, oh, my God, that's brilliant. What do you need? He's like, I just need some startup capital. So Sting funded it, and uh, there's an old police song called One World is Enough for All of Us, uh, talking about, like, one world versus third world and and this kind of thing. And so they called it the One World Play Project and um, had been taking some of these footballs, soccer balls, over – uh, to our our programs and in the, in one of our slum colony projects, um, had a picture of the kids all sweaty but smiling and holding one of the balls mm-hmm. and um, and I had become a fan of this group and so I was always hashtagging and tagging them on Twitter and whatnot and so they discovered my photography of their soccer balls in these developing world contexts and they started asking me permission to publish uh, those photos on in their. Uh, social media campaigns and that kind of was a real honor for me that I could help their uh, cause that way and then um, National Geographic kind of picked up on that because of the connection and uh, they had a third party contact me to uh, license one of the photos and I didn't even know who who it was but then after I agreed to the terms Mm -hmm. They revealed that it was National Geographic. So I was <laughs> really ex- obviously very excited as a <laughs> photographer. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah. So it's a fun story of how, you know, me just trying to support uh, the One World Play project um, led to the, those doors opening. So that's amazing. Now,
1: also with your writing, it has encouraged you to even expand even broader, and, and you're an author now.
0: You yeah, got, yeah, gotta, technically I am. I, I uh, entered a, a children's book writing con- contest and uh, based on four images that the uh, the illustrator had put together. And based on these four images, I kind of created a story. and then the illustrator took the story and completed the rest of the illustrations to create a, an entire. Children's story, mm-hmm. so um, it, it and it will be uh, published in Europe. Mm-hmm. So yeah, really excited about that. Yeah. When when uh,
1: can people expect? I'm sure you're going to drop it on your website. Yeah, and on your yeah. Social. I'll keep
0: I'll keep people posted on my Instagram and and uh, on Facebook. Yeah, that's pretty exciting. What else? I mean, not that you don't have enough
1: going on. <laughs> right. What else do you get to have fun doing? And uh, any other you know, adventures or, uh, experiences on the horizon that you're getting ready to depart on that you'd like to share?
0: Goodness. Um, yeah, just, uh, we've got, we've got an exciting thing, uh, in development where I I don't want to announce anything just yet, but we've got a, um, the potential of a local, um, a local chef in town who, uh, has, has gained some of her own sort of pseudo celebrity status. I guess, I guess you could say, uh, and has a lot of connections and a real heart for India, mm-hmm. and she's got this idea to launch a scarf line uh, that our girls at our rehabilitation home in Kathmandu would stitch the seams and kind of prepare them with the brand tag, right? Uh, and then she's got some ideas to to launch a PR campaign for the scarves and really something that would would be super uh, supportive support you know in support of our work and uh, just to get that awareness. Something I've always dreamed of being involved in something uh where someone from the outside kind of comes in and partners with us rather than me just always waving our own banner so uh so that's really exciting um i'm going to be a part of again um uh, a a photography project that's near and dear to my heart called the 24 hour project um it's a incredible uh photography event um, is it a singular it, or it's a, it a yeah it's one day it's one day it's one day a year and the concept is 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 great it's you um so you basically meet up with other photographers at midnight and you whatever city you're in you document that city for 24 hours from midnight to midnight uh-huh. you just you don't stop and you publish you have to publish your best photo from the past hour every hour on your social media channels and um, gotten to know the uh, the founder uh, Renzo Grande up in New York, and he's just done such a fabulous job with it and turned it into this global movement where they have something like four or five thousand photographers involved every year and uh, they have now turned it into a charitable benefit every year so they focus on different organizations we were I think this will be the sixth or seventh year they've done it coming up uh, on may twenty fifth mm-hmm. and uh, they uh, they spotlighted she has hope like three years ago and we're gonna be spotlighted again as one of, one of three uh, beneficiaries of the photography event this year and I'll be up in New York City uh, doing my I'll, I'm gonna document uh, a life cycle and the day a day in the life of New York City That's great yeah and, and so yeah. what is the title or what's the name of it's that it's called event? the 24hour project mm-hmm. and you can find them on Instagram at um, 24 the two four our project um yeah so that's that's going to be fun um yeah some some great stuff uh going on um, with you know just different photography uh events and things like that but those are some of the things i'm real excited about right now other than a taste of hope of course yeah and so
1: (laughs) a taste of hope it's going to be May the 2nd, and it's over at the Space HTX. Right, yeah, and it's next right door to TootSuite.
0: Right? Yeah, there's uh, the Cafe Toot Suite has started that event space over there downtown on Commerce Street. Um, it's a Thursday night. We kick off at uh, 7 p.m. and are going to have an incredible uh, dinner, pop-up dinner by uh, Chef David Ramos. And we'll have... Two master somal, <coughs> excuse me, two two master sommeliers there. Uh, okay,
1: and so I had to ask friends yeah. what a sommelier was, a master sommelier. So, would you please enlighten my listeners in case they
0: <laughs> yeah. don't know? Yeah, and I I honestly don't know a ton about wine myself, but um, apparently um, there's some uh, I don't know if you call it a, a society or organization that. Um, that kind of grades these uh, wine experts, and there's different tiers and levels, uh, sommelier, advanced sommelier, and the coveted master sommelier, and there's only like 250 master sommeliers in the entire world. And, uh, and two of them are going to be at your two event. Two of them are going to be at our event. Um, they, uh, Jack Mason has been gracious enough to find donated wine uh, for us, and, uh, he's, he's, uh, one of the two master sommeliers over at the Papa's Brothers, uh, organization and, um, yeah, they're just great guys. Jack's so, he's, he was with us last year as well and he's just, um, really supportive of the cause and uh, so we're we're super fortunate to have not only Jack Mason but his friend, another master sommelier Stephen McDonald so if you're at all interested in learning something about wine or you're, you're uh, a wine aficionado of any kind or just want to come out and support the cause uh, it's a great night to come out and, and taste some really some award winning wines that Jack's getting donated uh, so we just uh, feel really fortunate that we have their support Are you going to have any of your art there? Yeah, I'll have some of my uh, photos. I'll have my photos up, and we're going to have, for the first time ever, we're going to have what I'm calling our survivor survivor wall. Um, So a lot of uh, portraits of all of the survivors that we've worked with in terms of human trafficking and orphan care um, related to our She Has Hope trafficking response program. I'll have maybe as many as a couple hundred portraits, kind of in a tapestry on a big wall, Mm -hmm. so that people can kind of get a visual. Uh, Realization of the impact that we've been able to have as a small organization, you know, Mm -hmm. and just really we're we're a grassroots organization with about 250 unique donors every year. Mm -hmm. Um, So nothing huge, but that's one one of the things I love about Peace Gospel and She Has Hope is that we're able to say, hey, look, just a few people coming together, you know, giving a little bit of money over a long period of time, look at the impact we've been able to make. Mm -hmm. So it's really encouraging when you, When you look back, you know, like you were saying, we've been doing this uh, for 25 years now and it's just so encouraging um, to take a pause and like look back and see the fact that we've reached over something like we did a big 25-year retrospective and it's like over uh, 1,000 orphans that we've had in our, uh, you know, resident care programs and Several hundred trafficking survivors that we've um, counseled and rehabilitated and all because of the support of people just giving a little bit of what they can Mm -hmm. and volunteering and doing whatever they can. And one person
1: taking the time to say, hey, I think I can make a difference, Kirby. And, yeah. you know, that's fantastic. I, I really greatly appreciate you coming in and sharing with Thanks, me and man. our audience about how impactful you have been locally and then globally, mm. you know, and trying to to help those that are in need and the passion that you have for, for those. Yeah, members, yeah, I
0: and think. that's a great point. I, I would love to encourage anybody who thinks they can't make a difference, just look at my life. I don't have any sort of professional expertise on how to do this. I never was trained professionally on any of this. Um, I don't even have a college degree. It's desire. Yeah. It's just like I, I feel like I can make a difference, and no matter how small of a difference it, it may feel, I'm going to do it. And mm-hmm. I think if, if everybody just had a little bit more determination and hope, and that's the thing is like we talk about these girls having hope, but I think we as the participants and the donors and mm-hmm. the advocates, we get hope too – because if we're just looking at the situation and the problem and the statistics, it's very hopeless and it's very discouraging. But the the encouragement is that we all can make a difference and we can see the results and that gives us hope to carry on. Right. So. Kirby,
1: thanks for stopping in with yeah, us. Yeah, man. it a great, pleasure. I
0: greatly appreciate you taking yeah. some time. And,
1: you know, friends – Every week, I try to bring y'all content that is impactful, something that you can take from it and share with some, somebody else or maybe get yourself involved. And so uh, please like, share, subscribe to the why experience and let your friends uh, know about it as well. Um, I want to encourage everyone to seek out their why in every experience they create. Ask yourself, why am I doing what I do? And what is the effect? Is it having on me and potentially others? In addition to asking that, is it a positive return or is it negative? I hope in everything that we do is for the better. All right, friends, until next week, y'all have a great week. If you're looking to make your basic home smart, check out digitaldelight.com forward slash shop, where they have a variety of different smart home technology solutions that help make smart home shopping easy for you. Check out digitaldelight.com forward slash shop. Support the Y Experience with JJ Cannon by becoming a Patreon. Every month, the Y Experience will Receive a regular source of income from supporters like you who've pledged through Patreon. Having your ongoing support for as little as a dollar a month means we spend less time thinking about business and more time creating quality content for you.